the word ekphrasis comes from the Greek for the description of the work of art produced as a rhetorical exercise. It is a vivid, often dramatic, verbal description of a visual art piece. Hi everybody, this is Darwin Messidou. Welcome to The Ekphrastic, a podcast where we paint pictures with words. Today's subject, Salvador Dali. He had an eccentric and ostentatious public persona that often drew more attention than his artwork. But he is nonetheless a renowned surrealist known for his enigmatic paintings and uh, dreamscapes. We'll get to know him a little bit better in a second. But first, let's get into some art news. All right, so first up we have, um, you know what, straight up, we're just going to keep this one all political. So I don't know where you're listening to us from today, but there was an election in the United States back in November 2020, and we have just turned the um, power structure over to the new administration. Uh, so we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna probably keep this one, these news articles political, but still related to art. So let's get into it. This first one here we have um, from the uh, from Art News and this is this is from uh, this is actually from January. So uh, while he was on his way out of office, the last administration um, had you know, he gave out a lot of pardons. So this one is uh, titled Trump pardons art dealer Heli Namad. Um, convicted of running a gambling ring out of Trump Tower in one of his final presidential acts. So let's uh, see what they write about this guy here. In an 11th hour act, President Donald Trump has pardoned art dealer Heli Namad, uh, who was sentenced in 2014 to a year and a day in prison after pleading guilty to a single federal gambling charge. So, hold on, wait a second. Okay, so he was sentenced in 2014. I don't know know when he started serving his term, but I would think he'd been out of jail by now, right? I mean, if he's only a year and a half. Um, So maybe just trying to wipe the slate clean or something? Uh, Let's continue, see what they say about that. Uh, Namad, a member of the Namad family. Am I saying this right? Namad, N-A-H-M-A-D, Namad, Namad, Namad. Namad, I'll go with Namad, family des- uh, dynasty, and the son of art collector David Namad. Oh, they're just going to keep repeating his name over and over to make me have to live this torture. Okay, fine. Uh, you win. Uh, he was uh, caught co-organizing an illegal gambling ring worth $100 million out of Trump Tower in New York. <laughs> wow. So uh, right in, in the middle of Trump Tower, uh, this is 2014, he's, in, he's running the gambling ring in, in the in Trump Tower, he owns the entirety of the building's 51st floor, which reportedly cost a collective 21 million for one floor in Trump Tower. That might be a little bit inflated, but no one's checking these books, so nothing to see here, folks. You mean to tell me there's gambling in this establishment? <laughs> Who would have thought, right? So uh, there's a quote here: President Trump granted a full pardon to uh, Halal Namad. The White House said in a statement, this pardon is supported by members of his community. Mr. Namad was convicted of a sports gambling offense. Since his conviction, he has lived an exemplary life 
and has been dedicated to the well-being of his community. What does that mean? Has he not? Did he not go to jail since his conviction? Oh, swears a two-tier uh, justice system. Authorities raided the Heli Namad Gallery in the Carlisle Hotel in New York's Madison Avenue in 2013, accusing the dealer of financing a high-stakes poker game and sports betting ring with suspected links to Russian organized crime figures. Those ties were never proven, although several other convicted in the case were Russian. The initial charges, including racketeering, money laundering, and conspiracy, but the sole conviction was for operating an illegal gambling business. After Namad's arrest, he quickly posted the $10 million uh, bail. Easy money, no, no problem, just found that in the cushions, the couch cushions there, using his Trump Tower pad as collateral. As was spotted courtside, and he was spotted courtside at a New York uh, Knicks game. Now, that's that's not how you want to go out. You don't want to go out from a New York Knicks. Maybe, maybe if you were at a, a Lakers game or something, or maybe Miami Heat, they did pretty good that last year. But at a Knicks game, like, you don't want to be caught dead at a Knicks, <laughs> Knicks, Knicks game. Sorry, sorry, New Yorkers out there. You're gonna, you'll, get your, you'll get your shot. Uh, Brooklyn is doing pretty good as, as I'm speaking. So um, maybe you may need to uh, uh, switch that, that fandom there. Uh, so reportedly, he was partying harder than ever in the lead up to his time behind bars. Okay, so I guess he did spend some time behind bars. Um, let's move on a little bit here in the article. They're getting some pretty uh, insignificant details. Uh, let's see. So he had to pay $30,000 fine, forfeit $6.4 million in profits, and be, tre- and be uh, treated for gambling addiction. Oh. <laughs> that was the conviction? That was the conviction. So despite Naman's wealth and connections, the court refused a more lenient sentence. Oh, oh, okay. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> so apparently what I'm what I'm scoffing at uh, wasn't lenient enough. There was a chance he could have gotten a, lean, a leaner sentence. So after Namad offered to give tours of his gallery to, <laughs> to his gallery to underprivileged youth. <laughs> That's the bargain. That was the bargain. Okay, I'm going to give tours to the underprivileged youth. Just, yeah, don't put me in jail. <laughs> in addition to jail time, he had to pay $30,000 fine, forfeit $6.4 million in profits, and be treated for gambling addiction. Okay. All right. Uh, we got him, ladies and gentlemen. All right. Wrap this up. Everybody go home. You know what I mean? Put a, put a pin in it. We got the guy, all right? $6.4 million. Not even... That means that was less than his bail. What does he care? All right. All right. So I'm grateful for the pardon and I look forward to continuing to give back to the community, said Namad in an email to Art News. Um, Art News with some hard hitting stuff here. (laughs) Yeah. uh, Hard hitting journalism uh, checking this down for us. It's relevant. So I appreciate that, though. Uh, Got to be part of the episode today. The Mod family is a high profile presence in the international art industry known for its extensive collection of blue-chip modern and impressionist art, rumored to be worth $3 billion. Oh, $3 billion. Their collection is worth $3 billion. And I remind you, these is, this is like an estimate. You know, these things can go for double, you know, at an auction, depending on what piece they're, they're selling. So, it's wild. Art is just, it's so subjective, and it's all... It's, it's all up to the wealthy class on what they want to pay for something and give it that value. It's amazing. Three billion worth of art. 
Namada is among 143 late-night pardons and sentence reductions issued by Trump in his final hours in office, including former presidential advisor Steve Bannon and rapper Lil Wayne, an artist of a different sort. So also given a sentence, commutation was Michael uh, Pelletier, who was serving 30 years for a nonviolent marijuana conspiracy offense. Pelletier, who... <laughs> 30 years... For a nonviolent marijuana conspiracy offense, um, there's like 20 states where marijuana is legal now, where people are setting up dispensaries, legal businesses. You walk right on up, signs and everything on the outside, nothing, nothing shady at all. It's legal, and somebody was in jail. Somebody's still in jail right now, serving mad years for a marijuana offense. 30 years this person got. You have John Boehner. I think he was the, the former Speaker of the House of Representatives. He's a he's, he's on the board of some marijuana um, political action committee or something like that. Speaker of the House. Two-tiered system. Uh, so hopefully uh, with the new administration, stuff like this can be um, retroactively um, undone. And uh, there will be some equality in the justice system in the United States. But uh, this is just funny to read. Uh, so wrapping up here, um, uh, Pelletier, who used to wheelchair and 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 been who uses a wheelchair and was paralyzed from the waist down since the age of 11, has strived as an artist working with oil paints on canvas, and has taken several courses to perfect his skill while incarcerated, according to the White House. So. He's out. Unfortunately, you know, he's paralyzed from the waist down. But he still found a way to be part of, you know, a crime syndicate. <laughs> so, but hey, Lisa's out now. Hopefully these guys are turning a new leaf. Um, but that continues uh, to the uh, our next article here, which is pretty much out with the old and in with the new. And part of being out with the old, some of you have probably seen out there the Trump baby balloon. It's been part of, of uh, uh, protests and political um, events uh, out in the London area. So the Museum of London, they acquired the giant Trump baby balloon and they, they're adding it to their collection um, as a protest art. That, that, that makes sense. That's a <laughs> perfect fit. The Trump baby balloon is just so funny. So if you've never seen it, uh, you should look it up. But it's basically... Um, a an orange egg-shaped balloon with you know the graphics of of trump's his mouth is in like that weird contorted shape and he's like yelling something probably something hateful with uh, a big lock of uh yellow golden locks on the top of his head and he's got a diaper on with a pin in it it's a big baby and there's a cell phone in his hand because of course how is he going to get those tweets out? And so the article begins. This is in, again, this is another new uh, art news, art news one. And uh, it goes ahead of the inauguration of the U.S. President-elect um, Joe Biden this week. The, the Museum of London has acquired a large balloon depicting an unflattering caricature of Donald Trump as a giant baby. <laughs> it's so it's so perfect because this is this, he oh, the, the grievance champion of the world like from 20, 
2016 to 2020, the reigning champion, Grievance. He's always a victim, this guy. He's always complaining about something. He's always crying about something. <laughs> so the sneering, inflated Trump, who is depicted in a diaper and waving his cell phone around, was first flown over London's Parliament Square in 2018 to mark then-President's uh, official visit to UK. So he, uh, vi he visits UK for the first time. And he was greeted by this giant Trump uh, uh, baby. So it's like this, this, those type of balloons that are, that you know have like at the Macy's Day Parade or those Thanksgiving Day Parades. And those giant balloons that they fly overhead. And so they made one of Trump in the diaper. It has subsequently become a reoccurring emblem of dissent at anti-Trump protests around the U.S. The London Museum first expressed interest in acquiring the balloon two years ago and says it will conserve the object as part of its collection of protests um, uh, paraphernalia, potentially displaying it in the museum's future new home in West Smithfield in the coming years, according to an emailed statement. The Museum of London director Sharon uh, Ament says that the balloon marks an important continuation of London's rich history of political protests, which includes the suffrage uh, marches of the early 20th century right through the Black Lives Matter protests last summer. By collecting a baby blimp, we can mark the wave of feeling that washes over the city that day and capture a particular moment of resistance. Ahmed says in a statement, a feeling still relevant today as we live through these exceptionally challenging times that ultimately shows Londoners banding together in the face of extreme um, adversity. The team behind the so-called Trump baby tells Artnet News that it donated the giant balloon to the museum, but it has kept a half-sized version to continue to fly at other protests. It hopes that the balloon reminds people in, in the future of the global politics of resistance that surrounded Trump's term in office. It, it was pretty much worldwide. There, there were protests all over for a bunch of different types of, uh, of Trump um, actions while he was in office. This large inflatable, inflatable was just a tiny part of a global movement, a movement that was led by the uh, marginalized people whose Trump's politics most endangered and whose role in this moment should never be underestimated, the team says in a statement. It also hopes to prompt museum visitors to examine how they can continue to fight against the politics of hate. And uh, yeah, so it's, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a great addition to their um, specifically having a uh, protest art collection. Um, that's dope. I appreciate that. We should have something like that in the States. Maybe we do. Um, I need to do some research myself and find out if... Um, I can go visit one of these spots anytime soon. Uh, protest, protest art. I know we have a lot of photography that came out of the Black Lives Matter movement, uh, and some of those were um, cha um, challengers for things like uh, Times Picture of the Year type of thing, uh, and, and other awards that came out of those movements. But um, generally, protest art like this uh, and having a dedicated space for that would um, you have you have plenty. There, there's plenty of um, submissions that could be that, that could be part of some exhibit like that. So I'd be interested to see what the states have in in that regard. And so moving on to the transition, things are um, looking up. Uh, things are turning around. We should hopefully not have a Biden baby balloon anytime soon. But uh, protesters and, and and marginalized communities will continue to hold those. Uh, the power to the powers uh, that be hold them um, accountable, uh, but right now the the Biden campaign is hoping for a brighter future and it is exempt 
uh, an example of this is by the um, artwork that was displayed during the inauguration chosen by Dr. Jill Biden. And so this part of some it's part of the tradition of the inauguration that there's gifts given to the incoming um, uh, administration. Uh, nothing lavish like, you know, a spa day or jet skis or something like that, but it's more symbolic stuff. Um, you'll get a, a, a vase or something. Uh, and this one was the uh, a painting and this painting was chosen by first lady jill biden and it was displayed in the capitol during a uh, part of the inauguration presentation on uh, last wednesday january 20th uh, it carried a big piece of historical significance so why was it so significant this 1859 oil work uh it's called a landscape with rainbow it's by robert selden um duncanson robert selden duncanson one of the best known and most acclaimed african-american painters of the civil war era so the painting is from the collection of the smithsonian american art museum and shows a rainbow rising over a green pasture dotted with cows and a man and a woman looking on rainbows are a symbol of rebirth renewal after storms and diversity and inclusion a community of color and lgbtq community have both used the rainbow as a cultural signifier according to the museum website uh, Duncanson was born in Seneca County, New York, in either 1821 or 1822. He lived in Cincinnati, though, uh, for much of his life and was supported by abolitionists who bought his paintings and supported his trip to Europe to study the old master's works. Uh, the artist's uh, vision of rural uh, bucolic America is a kind of Arcadia or paradise um, it's a characteristic feature of his work, said uh, one of the representatives of the late hope for peace before the onset of the Civil War. In the context of the 2020 election, um, there was a lot of turmoil brought to the country by the coronavirus, political division, and insurrection at the Capitol on January 6th. You might have heard of it. The painting seems to symbolize a fresh start for the country under the Biden administration. No doubt a consideration when Jill Biden selected it. At the height of his influence in American landscape painting, Duncanson succumbed to mental illness and unfortunately died in Detroit in 1872. Uh, but this is a, a, a very hopeful looking piece. You should, you should check it out. It's called Landscape with, Rain, uh, with Rainbow. Uh, it shows an entire landscape, a little bit of mountain uh, uh, hills and stuff in the background, foreground, just a bunch of greenery, just some cows chilling and horses. and. And it looks very serene and there's a giant rainbow on, on the right side uh, arching up and it it seems like a the start of a new day um things are green things are looking up no kind of turmoil in the foreseeable future we shall see but lest we forget this is america <laughs> but uh as things are looking up i'll continue that hopeful uh um feeling right now from from that painting and and go on to a little bit something more, a little bit, um, a little bit silly. It's funny. It's this thing. It's okay. So the inauguration happened. There's a lot of things coming out of the inauguration. A lot of special flowery language, uh, poetry, singing, and you know, it's a it's a celebration of democracy, right? Um, and so a lot of people show up. You have your senators. You have your house members and everything. They show up there and they're all dressed to the nines. It's a black tie affair, I, I believe. I think you had one, one, the one singer, was it Garth Brooks? It might have been Garth Brooks. Uh, 
he came in there with jeans and a cowboy hat. He still had a suit on though, but it's 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 uh it's a it's a big to do pomp and circumstance. And then you have Bernie Sanders, who became the star of the inauguration. He has lived on since after that day. There's a couple of people that lived on after that day. There's um Amanda Gorman. She was a great poet that uh, folks should check out, and maybe I can include her in one of these episodes sometime in the future. But uh, who definitely stood out, especially on the internet, especially on things like Twitter, was Bernie Sanders. This dude was like, okay, I got stuff to do today. I'm a, I guess I'll stop by. <laughs> I'll stop by the inauguration, see what's up. Who all going to be there? All right, so Bernie Sanders came through. <laughs> Just some slacks. You know, his chilling loafers. Ran, ran, random green jacket and some mittens. Boom, and his face mask. Bernie Sanders was... Chilling by himself on the chair. And he was just like, okay, let's get this over with. I got things to do. I'm on my way to the post office or something. <laughs> right? so, so Bernie Sanders wasn't here for all y'all pageantry. All right. And so the internet made a meme out of him with this. And it's just, it's it's adorable. It's adorable. This old dude is just like, man, y'all lucky I showed up. <laughs> In art history courses, Joseph, listen, so this is, uh, this is art news by Alex Greenberger. Uh, on January 21st. In art history courses, Joseph Kusoth's one and three chairs is a staple. This is a 1965 uh, piece. It is, to some degree, exactly what it sounds like. A piece of furniture rendered three different ways as a physical object, a, a photograph of it, and a text with its dictionary definition. Typically, you can't enjoy the comfort of being in Kusoth's chair but on Twitter, in one viral post from yesterday, the work finally got an unexpected sitter. They they photoshopped Bernie Sanders in one of these chairs. This is this is hilarious. The tw Twitter went nuts. It's probably still trending now. They had so many different versions of this guy sitting in a bunch of different random spots, just like chilling with his mittens. The beloved Vermont senator had not actually paid a visit to the museum to commune with a landmark artwork, actually. Instead, his image had been photoshopped in thanks to the art uh, art writer Mara Cullihan, who pulled a now-famous photograph of Sanders from Wednesday's presidential inauguration on Washington, D.C., and lent it a new context. The picture features Sanders all bundled up with his legs crossed, a mask on his face, and a pair of fuzzy mittens on his hands. It makes Kosciuk's work a masterpiece of chilly conceptualism seem oddly fun. The Sanders meme that has dominated social media over the past 24 hours, and it's been longer since I've been reading this, it's still, still going 72 hours, probably a week, has been uh, over the past 24 hours, came in many forms, not all of which alluded to art history. There was the, Dem uh, the Democratic Socialist ins inset in a uh, still from Hustler <laughs> Hustlers, where he appears to be cradled by Jennifer Lopez herself on Inauguration Day. Before I saw one where he is, uh, you know that that Janet Jackson album cover with her chest covered with some hands? They had Bernie Sanders mittens over that. <laughs> that one was funny. There was Sanders alongside Susan Sarandon and Greena Davis and Thelma and Louise. Sanders was in the background of a sequence from Boogie Nights. Uh, he also was joining uh, a blindfolded... Folded <laughs> Yeah, uh, that was in Bird Box from Netflix. That Bird, that Bird Box movie <laughs> when um 
Sandra Bullock was blindfolded and rowing that canoe. They had him sitting in the, in the canoe with, him, with his mask on. So he was riding in the MTA, uh, the metro system, just chilling. Uh, uh, there's actually a, 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 if you could look this up, if you like a chill hop, this is kind of like instrumental hill, uh, hip hop. Um, there's a there's a there's a dope um, YouTube that I found with Bernie Sanders sitting in the metro, um, and they kind of have like the background moving a little bit as if the metro is moving, and it's just like he they, they put headphones on them, and it's just chill hop music just like playing. It's like it's really relaxing and it's dope. I, I think you should check it out. They even had him uh, Will. <laughs> They even had him sandwiched between Will Smith and Jada Pinkett uh, during the episode of Red Table Talk. <laughs> you know, talk about entanglements, right? <laughs> so uh, I definitely think you should check it out. There's um, This article that I'm reading has a bunch of different examples, uh, uh, specifically about um, him being installed in art uh, installations. Uh, there's a there's a Byzantine uh, a Byzantine saint version uh, of Sanders posted up there. They have one where he's the um, the the it works is security at the art gallery and they have him sitting there and he's like uh, once again I'm asking you not to touch the artwork. Right? They have him in so, uh, American Mood, uh, a classic painting there, and he's inside the cafe. Uh, he's uh, sitting in um, uh, seated shepherd with cows and sheep in a meadow. Look that up. And imagine Bernie Sanders seated right there in his <laughs> his mittens and coat with face mask on, just like I'm. I'm just chilling. I'm here. Uh, somebody, to, <laughs> I'm just here for attendance, right? <laughs> just here so I don't get fined. Um, and so and so yeah. So check it out the Bernie the Bernie Sanders meme. Uh, and uh, with that said, we've transitioned and we're officially into uh, some some more light. Um, lighthearted times, hopefully, and uh, things should be turning around. We're still in the pandemic, but uh, things are starting to look up. And with that, we will close out our art news and get back to our ekphrastic artist of the day, Salvador Dali. So he was born Salvador Domingo Felipe Jacinto Dali y Dominique in May 1904. That's a mouthful. His full name. He was born in Figueres, Spain. Dali displayed a great aptitude for the visual arts as a teenager. He's been said, it's been said that the young Dali was a precocious and intelligent child, prone to fits of anger against his parents and schoolmates. Consequently, Dali was subjected to furious acts of cruelty by more dominant students as well as his father. So you got it at home, you got it at school too. The elder Dali wouldn't tolerate his son's outbursts and eccentricities, and punished him severely. Their relationship deteriorated when Dali was still young. Exasperated by a competition between he and his uh, father for Philippa, which is his mom, uh, exasperated by uh, the comp- they had a competition for her affection. He was not a serious student at any point, preferring to daydream in class and stand out as the class eccentric, wearing odd clothes and long hair. After that first year of art school, he discovered modern painting in uh, Cadecas while, vis- while vacationing with his family. There, he also met Ramon Pichot, a local artist who frequently visited Paris. But the following year, his father organized an exhibition of Dali's charcoal uh, drawings in the family home. By 1919, 
the young artist had his first public exhibition at the uh, Municipal Theater of Figueres. Uh, between 1926 and 29, Dali made several trips to Paris, where he met with influential painters and intellectuals such as Picasso, whom he revered. During this time, Dali painted a number of works that displayed Picasso's influence. He also met Joanne Miro, the Spanish painter and sculptor who, along with poet uh, Paul Eluard and painter Marguerite, introduced Dali to surrealism. Uh, most people will end up discovering Dali through surrealism, actually. By this time, Dali was working with styles of Impressionism, Futurism, and Cubism. Dali's paintings became associated with three general themes. Man's universe and sensations, sexual symbolisms, and ideographic imagery. His artistic repertoire included paintings, graphic arts, film, sculpture, design, and photography at, at times in collaboration with other artists. He also wrote fiction, poetry, autobiography, uh, essays, and criticisms. Major themes in his work include dreams, the, the, sub, the subconscious, sexuality, religion, science, and his closest personal relationships. You can see this throughout all of his works. While in school, Dali began exploring many forms of art, including classical painters like Rafael Bronzino and Diego Velasquez, uh, from whom he adopted his signature uh, curled mustache, actually. And you might have seen pictures of him with this extended uh, thin mustache um, that, are, that, that curl towards the end. He also dabbed in avant-garde art movements such as Dada, a post-World War I anti-establishment movement. While, Dali, while Dali's uh, apolitical outlook on life prevented him from becoming a strict follower, the Dada philosophy influenced his work throughout his life. As war approached in Europe, uh, this is closer to the 30s, uh, specifically in Spain, Dali clashed with members of the Surrealist movement. In an actual trial, quote-unquote trial, was in, it was part of this, um, uh, it, it wasn't in court, it's more of a trial of members of an organization kind of thing. Uh, held in 1934, he was expelled from the group. Despite his expulsion from the movement, Dali continued to participate in several international surrealist exhibitions into the 1940s. World War II forced Dali and his wife to flee Europe. The couple spent most of the 1940s in the United States. These were important years for Dali. The Metropolitan Museum of Modern Art in New York gave him his own retrospective exhibit in 1941. This was followed by the publication of his autobiography, The Secret Life of Dali, in 1942. Also during this time, Dali's focus moved away from surrealism and into his classical period. They remained there until 1948, when they moved back to his beloved Catalonia. Over the next 15 years, Dali painted a series of 19 large canvases that included scientific, historical, or even religious themes. He often called this period nuclear mysticism. During this time, his artwork took on a technical brilliance, combining meticulous detail with fantastic and limitless imagination. He would incorporate optical illusions, holography, and geometry within his paintings. What the heck is holography, you might ask? Well, I actually had to look this up myself. It's actually hologram. And so he was one of the early pioneers into developing and 
um, working in the medium of holograms. And so what would end up being a very technical um, science, a computer science-based medium, he was doing this in the uh, in the regular world, um, you know, using lights and different uh, mediums in, in, on canvas and creating holograms. And so we're going to be exploring a little bit of this imagination in today's Ekfrasted poem, exploring one of Dali's final masterpieces. So again, this is how this works. Remember, this is a description of a visual art piece. As I'm speaking, I want you to visit the Ekfrastic page on my website, darwindarko.com. Check the show notes for details. There, you will find a catalog of all the artwork we discuss. To accompany today's reading, I want you to pull up the image of Tuna Fishing by Salvador Dali. I'll give you a second to search for it in your browser. In the deepest ocean, the bottom of the sea, your eyes, they turn me. But why should I stay here? Why should I stay? I guess I'd be crazy not to follow. Follow where you lead. Your eyes, they turn me. Turn me into phantoms. I follow to the edge of the earth and I fall off. Everybody leaves if they get the chance. And this, this is my chance. Or else I get eaten by the worms. And weird. Fishes picked over by the worms and weird fishes, weird fishes. Yeah, I hit the bottom. Yeah, I hit the bottom. The bottom and escape. Yeah, I hit the bottom. I hit the bottom and escaped. Escape. Thank you, Radiohead, for that song, uh, Weird Fishes. Uh, you should check out the original. That last musical part was a cover by Leanne Le Havas. Uh, amazing rendition of the song. The original is dope too, uh, but check it out. It fits so perfectly. Salvador Dali died in January 1989 in his hometown of Figueres, Spain. Today, his works are held in the collections of the Museum of Modern Art in New York, the Tate Modern in London. I think that's how you said it. The modern, it says spelled modern, but I think it's, they say modern, trying to be fancy. Uh, and also the Reina Sofia National Museum in Madrid. 
and the Museum Ludwig in Cologne, amongst others. So there are two major museums devoted to Salvador Dali's work. Of course, uh, no true uh, um, stalwart of a genre would be complete without their own museum, right? So of course, there's the Dali Dieter Diet Museum in Figueroa, Spain, in his hometown. There's a, he, he erected his own theater there. And there's the Salvador Dali Museum in St. Pete, Florida. Shout out to Florida. The Teatro Museo Dali officially opened in 1974. This is the one in Spain. The new building was formed from the ruins of an old and based on one of Dali's designs. It's also billed as the world's largest surrealist sculpture. So the entire thing is an art piece. Uh, this place contains a series of spaces that form a single artistic object where each element is an inextricable part of the whole. Wow, th this sounds amazingly intricate. I can't wait. to. I've always wanted to visit Spain. And yet another reason for me to get my butt out there. If I'm ever in Spain, I'll, I'll be sure to take uh, the guided tour. I think I would do that because, you know, to get to get some better insight, I don't want to miss a thing. The site is also known for housing the broadest range of work by the artist. From his earliest artistic experiences to works that he created during the last years of his life, several works on permanent display were created expressly for the museum. The Museum of Dali is definitely worth visiting, especially if you're an art lover. So, that's it for me today. That's it from Dali. Uh, this was fun. Uh, great uh, checking out this artwork. I, um, I hope you enjoyed the, the actual art piece itself. It's a visual delight. And I um, uh, hope you can check out that, uh, that artist as well, that, the rendition of Weird Fishes uh, by, uh, by Radiohead. But it's from Liana uh, La Havas. So that's cool. Love rocking out to that song there. Please visit darwadarko.com backslash ekphrastic for a catalog of all the artwork we discuss. It's where you find all this stuff catalog for your view and pleasure. That's it for me. I'm Darwin Mesidu. Thanks for listening. <laughs>